This is episode two of our special three-part Mentor Moments series with Anna Zlinski. To hear our prior conversations with Anna, tune in to episode one of Mentor Moments season two. Yeah, so I'm noticing whenever you whenever you, you brought up like your, your previous roles in like leadership and managing others and being able to, I just, I've heard like a quote that's like, you can only know others as much as you know yourself. And I think that that can apply to, well, you can only challenge others and help others stretch as much as we challenge ourselves. I, I think you're right. I think it, it can be really difficult to challenge a person especially in a gentle way that encourages them that isn't you're not doing enough but i see potential in you to do more it's you it's i can't i think you have to be able to do that and have that self-reflection to be able to see that and and do that for others it's kind of like in the counseling profession right they talk about if you're if you're a counselor you really should be going to counseling yourself right it's kind of the same idea right like we can only be there to sort of help and develop others as much as we're willing to look at how we need to develop ourselves. You're, so now you're at this new job after eight years at, at Paraguay. So I guess, I guess talk, talk us through that. You're again, you're, um, I guess, been married for a few years, right? If you, like both your kids are, are, have been born, starting to run, looking to expand, you're embracing the challenge. So what's, what happened next? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a really exciting time, really. I mean, uh, I the job was extremely challenging, challenging in a way that I didn't expect. You know, my I I, I realized that I, I think that I went, you know, dealing with conflicts or things like that. I would I put the conversation off having hard conversations. I would I would want the harmony, but I would kind of stand back. And I had a boss who was like, you need to address these things head on. And so it really. Um, Further, I thought I was a good manager before I went there, but I got there and was like, whoa, I, I really have a lot to learn. And I did, I learned a lot about, um, it, it was a very professional job. Like I, I really had to dress very professionally and have this sort of business um, business acumen and approach. And, and it, it was different. It was just something I wasn't used to. And I was running at the time. I, I really, I mean, I started running and I really, really, really enjoyed it. It was, it was incredible. It was time to myself. I would always run in the morning. And so I got myself into a habit. I was running about a 5k every month. And so that was kind of my motivation. And it took me a while to be able to run a 5k. It took months. But um, once I got in that rhythm, it really became part of part of my life, uh, a place where I could, it was almost like movement meditation, where I could problem solve, where I could actually think through those hard conversations I was going to have to have at work, uh, you know, have the conversation with myself before I had it with the person. Um, it was really, it was a, it was a huge, I was only there for two years, but it was a huge um, growth time for me. Um, and I think it's another place I would have stayed for a very long time, but I, I, I didn't because, you know, you know, I mentioned that I was looking for that work-life balance worth being a mom, being a full-time working mom, fitting running into my schedule. Um, my husband traveled at the time for work, so being home a lot uh, on my own, managing the house. So it was just, it was a lot. And I, at the time, I, I don't, I don't think I felt like I had the capacity to continue that role. You know, I was, I was, um, we, it was one of those jobs where I had to staff uh, shifts. And so if somebody called in, I'd have to call a temp agency. So there were times I'd be out for my morning run at like 5.30 in the morning and somebody would call in and I'd have to stop and call the temp agency. It was just very, 
uh, it was a very intense job. Um, and also with that work-life balance, I thought that was going to be great having my kiddos next door, but I had zero shift time. So I couldn't, there was no, there was no commute. It was like, I went straight from this very high intensity, fast paced workplace right next door to get my kids and moved directly into fast paced work, you know, with mom, my kids were five and two at the time. So, I mean, they were busy. Uh, and I just decided, I remember sitting in when I had my exit interview or I put my notice in with the HR for a woman there. And I said to her, I said, I just don't think I can do this anymore. And she was like, well, you need to know you are doing this. If you decide you don't want to, that's something totally different. And that was such a huge message, not just in that moment, but I think going forward, it wasn't that I wasn't meeting my expectations. I was do, I was probably not meeting my own perfectionist expectations, but, um, but I was meeting the expectations. But I knew in that moment that this was just not going to work. It just wasn't the right fit. It was worth a try. And maybe again, one day, you know, to have a, a career in that kind of environment but I knew at the time it was just it wasn't the right thing okay. so uh at the time I, I was connected with an organization that was a funder and took a, a, interviewed for a job where I would not supervise anyone and so this would be the first time since I was 21 that I would not be managing a team. And at the time, considering I was pulling my hair out left and right, trying to staff my, my program, it was like a relief. I thought, oh my gosh, this is gonna be fabulous. I can just sit back. I only have to worry about my own work. I don't even know what this is like. I haven't done this since I was not, you know, 20, 21 years old. Um, anyway, so I, I left the, the J and went to Productive Living Board and I say, I absolutely loved it. It was a wonderful job. It was a really, really good fit. Um, it was very slow paced, which was what, especially compared to the J. And so it was perfect for what I was looking for at the time. But <laughs> I really, really missed uh, supervising, supervising folks um, almost immediately. But I, I appreciated the time to slow down. I knew it was the right thing even before what happened next, um, which this was in 2018. I... I had been having a lot of frequent doctor visits. I um, had some some concerning symptoms and was seeing a doctor about it. And in September of 2018, um, was uh, diagnosed with cervical cancer. And what I kind of left out the part about running as as I was had a little bit less responsibility, I guess you'd say, or wasn't quite as uh, fast paced at the J, I really amped up my running and was running half marathons. I've, I found trail running, which was, which opened up an entire new door for me. I had actually even trained for and completed a uh, ultra marathon, a 50K distance at this time in early 2018 was like the first time I finished that. So I was in what you'd probably say was the best shape I've ever been in my life. I played soccer in high school and then didn't do anything until I took up running and and so I was absolutely in the best shape of my life. In no way did I think I would have any kind of health concerns. In fact, I thought, well, this is never, especially at this time. Um, but I was later on in 2018, I was diagnosed with cervical cancer. And it was um, a really challenging time for, for me. The diagnosis part was even just all of that. 
And, you know, it's one of those things where I don't, I don't even know if I'd been in a fast paced environment where I didn't have time to slow down and think if I would have even been paying attention to what was going on with my body, you know? So when you look back and think like, I trust the universe, I, I, I feel like I was in that right place at the right time where things slowed down somewhere. I really could notice, okay, something's wrong. So I could be my own advocate and, uh, and, and find this diagnosis, which took a few different doctors to get to. I mean, I can't even sort of comprehend, you know, what, what a cancer diagnosis would do. Um, and I'm also, I guess, yeah, I guess I don't, like you're, you're saying being the best shape of your life. I'm also wondering if that helped in some way going through the diagnosis and the treatments in, in, in some way. So, um, I don't know, just that was my initial thought there. Well, I was really, really lucky. And this was found very, very early. And so I didn't have to do any kind of chemo treatment. The The cancer was, I had surgery and um, that was my treatment. I was so lucky um, just to have to catch it as early as I did. That often doesn't happen with a cancer like cervical cancer where there aren't really very many symptoms. But that was really lucky. But nevertheless, I didn't know that at the time, right? Like, you know, uh, the, there was so much risk. It was like, you could do this thing and, or that choice. And so, you know, my husband and I had made the, we had to make the decision that we didn't want to have any more kids, which we didn't think we were because the, the treatment for cervical cancer really is a hysterectomy. And so we made that decision and it was the right decision. But at the time we weren't sure if that was the right decision because the cancer could have spread and we wouldn't know that until after the fact. Um, but I do think that I was in a headspace where I couldn't, could make that decision because of the way that my life was structured at that time. With my well, job. again, maybe I, sim, I don't know if it's similar, but again, I guess I am, again, it's easy for me to reflect on your life and then make these great hypotheses that, that you, you, you seem to have an intuitive sense that you need, that you know what you need, whether you know it or not. So like, I, I wonder if having this time to run, you said that's a good headspace for you, that you were more in tune with your body to know to sort of, mm. hey, something's not maybe right that you were able to catch the cancer as soon as you did. I, I, you know, maybe that's like the movie ending or I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just sort of trying to put pieces together here a bit. No, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that what running did for me too, is it, it showed me that I'm very strong physically. I mean, I was running 32 mile races on trails, you know, with a lot of elevation, it was really hard the what I was doing. And so the diagnosis, diagnostic process, I'd been going to a doctor for about two years who would say, yeah, something seems not quite right. We'll just keep our eye on it. So, and, and it, that went on for two years where I was going for every six month appointments. And finally, I, I think I had the confidence and the sort of wherewithal to say, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not getting what I need from this doctor. And so I sought out another doctor and she was like, and I explained the whole story. She's like, oh no, we're going to take care of this. I'm going to be very aggressive and we're going to figure out what's going on. And she did, she did within a couple of months and it just, it was, it was all the difference, but I mean, I don't know how long that would have gone on if I, you know, if I didn't have the, the confidence. And, and I think that came from running. I really do. I think it came from running and, and learning what my own physical strength is that could then transfer over to me being able to say, this is what I need. And I'm not stopping until I get it until I get an answer, until I find out what's going on. Right. Well, I could even notice um, that theme of taking that risk. I mean, 
I mean, because I, I'm noticing the theme of like taking a risk in, in career, taking a risk in, you know, having, a, having your first child and all these other things. And then applying that idea of like, listen, like I'm going to continue taking these risks. I, I mean, obviously for different, you know, purposes and reasons and having, you know, different emotions tied to it. But I mean, that risk taking had to have carried over, I'm sure. Well, absolutely. And, and when you think about when you have a health concern going on, whatever, whatever it is, whether it's in your body or if it's related to an injury from running or something feels off with your heart, anything like that, to actually make an appointment and seek out to find out if something's wrong, that is extremely vulnerable because you don't know what that answer is going to be. And so it, it really is the theme. It is. It's, it's being brave enough to do the thing, even though it's scary to be like Brene Brown says, to be scared and brave, afraid and brave at the exact same time. That's vulnerability, really. I don't know. I, I guess I'm just thankful now that you're you're willing to share your story with others. And, and I'm not sure why I'm thinking this right now, but maybe again, vulnerability and risks. I also know you like to, you, you blog as well. So I don't know if there's something, what, is there something else about that gives you a sense of peace by, you know, kind of getting your life or something out there, right? On paper or may, again, obviously this is a, another form of that. Is there, I don't know, just, that just came to me as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I used to blog a lot. I started blogging when my oldest was a baby and it was kind of when the mom blogs, when my space was started, it was, it was a, a way for moms to connect online. And I absolutely loved it. I just, I liked, I, I saw it as sort of like a baby book, kind of a way to look back and, and read um, about things. But no, I, I mean, the, I announced that I had cancer through my blog to my friends. I wanted, I, and I, it's closure for me. Um, when I, anytime there's a, I have a loss or I have big feelings about something, I blog and I post it and I don't, like I have comments shut off. It's like, it's for me to get, to get out. I don't blog as much as I used to. A lot of it's because I was, I often blogged about my kiddos and now they're older, they have their own life and that, you know, that I want to respect their privacy, but, um, I've been, you've, you've reignited it. I haven't blogged in a long time. I feel like I need to do that again now, <laughs> or maybe like you said, maybe this is, maybe this is where I'm, uh, I'm kind of getting that, that need sort of met. Well, and I, and I know you, in previous conversation, you said really going through the cancer diagnosis and sort of maybe learning from others, it's you sort of have a new look on life, right? That sort of existential moment, what's really meaningful to you, how, how you're finding your purpose. And again, to me, that goes back to the blog that you're, you, these are life events that, that again, made you readjust in some way to say, okay, this is what's meaningful. And, you know, maybe it's a compass, right? You know, like you're re- refining your your north star and whatnot so yeah there's um there's something that happens after a cancer diagnosis that i've talked with other other people who've gone through it before that it just the world looks different somehow um so i was diagnosed in september and i had uh, my second 50k race was scheduled um in october and so i went to my to an onco oncologist i actually went to one oncologist and i did not like her it just, it just didn't fit. It just didn't, I didn't jive with it. Um, and I think, you know, my parents and people, people of other generations, it's like, you go to a doctor and that's who you see. And that's, you know, you trust them. Like you trust, you know, their, their word. 
Um, but I just, I didn't drive, drive, it just didn't feel right with that person. And, and so I, I reached out to another doctor and it turned out that she was a runner and she was getting ready to run the Boston Marathon, or excuse me, the New York Marathon. And so when I talked to her and I explained, I have this race, she's like, well, it's fine. We can build this, this surgery around your race. No problem. I'm like, okay, this is my, I called her my, what did I call my, my surgical pacer is what I call her. So in running and especially in ultra running, really long distance ultra running, there's the the pacer. And I guess it's in track too for keeping kids on pace, people on pace. But in the ultra running world, a pacer is somebody you keep alongside you to toward the end of the race to really help you finish and keep you motivated. And that's what she felt like to me. She truly felt like a genuine partnership. Um, so I, I I found her and so she worked with me on that. So so I'm here riding my second my second 50k race and this is a race where I had ran a couple of the shorter distances in the past or the half marathon distance in the past and so this was a very hard race about 5,500 feet of elevation over the 32 miles 33 miles or so um, challenging race really hard some of the hardest trails in St. Louis and I was feeling I mean I was tip-top shape I was even going into the cancer or the surgery I was just in really good shape and about six or so miles in, I started having pain in my knee. And I was like, this is weird. Like I've, that's never happened before. And so I did the kind of run walk thing for a while. And then I got to about 13 miles in and I texted my husband and I was like, I, I don't think I can finish. I don't, I don't know what's wrong. My knee hurts, I, I can't run. I was running a little and now I can only walk. And he's like, well, how much farther do you have? And by asking me that question, all of a sudden it put me into like problem solving mode, which I'm really, I love creative problem solving. So my favorite things. So, so no longer was it, oh my gosh, I have to quit. It was what do I have to do to finish? And so I told him how far I had to go, gave him the time. And he said, if you maintain 20 minute miles, you can finish in time. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can totally do that. And so I power walked the rest of that, however many miles, 20, 20 more miles. Um, I power walked and finished. It took me nine hours to finish. But I knew if I did not finish that race, right, you know, right after my diagnosis, right before the surgery, I would, it would have been devastating. I think I just would have put so, I needed to feel like I could overcome anything. And that's exactly what I felt like after I walked those 20 miles <laughs> and all of that elevation. Um, but it was so empowering to do something that I, I really didn't think I was gonna be able to do. It's it's interesting again how you talked about that you remember the moment of kind of shifting your thinking from I can't do to I can do you know and it's sort of I don't know if it's growth mindset or you know something that versus again self defeating you know I've, I've been reading a little bit about career active being adaptable in your career. And they say people who have a challenge mindset, which is what you, you see something as a challenge and I can overcome it versus a threat where you see it as, oh, I, I can't do it. So it was just, again, it just, it's interesting to see theory come to life when you're talking about these things, that there's this moment yeah. again that you said, yes. Well, um, and I needed help to do that though. I, if I hadn't had my partner, my person who I trust, to, to reflect that back to me and remind me to shift my mindset, then I, I don't know. I don't know if I, what would have, how, how that would have gone differently. I don't know. We all, we all need a counselor, coach, a partner <laughs> in our right. life, right? That's that's right. That's... All right, so 
again, sort of knowing where you at in your sort of life, I, I know there's another change coming mm -hmm. coming around, at least career change. You want you want to sort of start talking about sort of now the the third phase of your career? Sure. So this was this was big. I mean, like I mentioned, a lot changed for me after that after that cancer diagnosis, excuse me. Um, the world just looked different. It was kind of like this idea that we really have no idea how much time we have. I mean, I, and I mean, and that's true. I, I think I knew that it, it's one thing I sort of always stayed grounded in, in the disability field is it, at any wrong time, wrong place, wrong time, any diagnosis away from, from being a person with a disability who was seeking the kind of help I was providing. And I've always kept that in my mind. Um, but that really showed me that's true. It's genuinely true. Um, and life is short. And what am I doing with it? I'm, I'm, I know that I thrive as a manager. I know in this, at, during this time that being with people, um, with disabilities or people who are struggling is, brings me so much joy. I know all of these things, but here I am in a job where I'm, I, I'm not doing any of those things. It was like, I'm not, I, and I think I was so afraid after, you know, the high pace of the J that I, I wasn't sure that I could do it. And, and after that, I was, it didn't matter. It didn't matter if I could do it or not. All I knew is I wasn't going to waste my time wondering if I could or not. Um, and so I, I applied for a job with the ALS Association. And, and the reason that I applied for this job is it was a, it was a director job similar in a lot of ways to to the J very um, professional and sort of business business like uh, but in the job description it said that this director would be responsible for carrying a caseload so working directly with people with ALS who were receiving the services we were providing so I looked at that and I thought what what kind of culture must exist in this organization where they feel so strongly that their upper management has to be that connected to their mission. I, was, I have to see what this is about. It was so intriguing to me. Um, so I interviewed first with a recruiter and then with the, the woman who would later become my boss. And as we were in the interview, the it went so well. And I, I at that point, the other thing that happens is there was no time for any BS. Like I'm, this is who I am. I, I've, I've, been diagnosed with cancer I don't have anything to lose was this feeling that I had after that um and so I was so incredibly myself like I, I remember it just being such an easy conversation and the recruiter looked at my would be my supervisor and said uh could, what is your time frame when do you think you'll be ready to make a decision and she looked at her and she said I'm ready to make a decision today <laughs> I was like I'm ready to make the decision today I knew right then and there that was where I where I wanted to be um and so, yeah, so, and the thing is that's, that I didn't expect, because I'd always worked with people with disabilities, and for, you know, if you may not know, ALS is a is a terminal illness. There, we don't know what the cause is, we don't know what the cure is, and it's a progressive disease. So a person who um, often is in an athlete in very, very good health and wonderful physical condition um, gets this disease that slowly over time uh, kills the messaging from the brain to the muscles and a person, it causes paralysis. And so the disability is inevitable. And unfortunately, so is the end of life with this disease. And I don't, I don't think I fully understood the impact that that would have on me. I, you know, I, I mentioned my dad earlier. I, when I was 
when I got the job and then there's the, you know, the time between when you get the job and you have to start the job, there's all the like, oh, is this right? Is this the right thing? You know, the second guessing. And so I, I went to him, I said, dad, what if I can't do this? What if, what if it's too hard? What if, what if I can't sit with people in this pain? Um, of of facing this this end of life, which is all inevitable for all of us, but you know, imminent for the folks who are dealing with this disease. I said, "What if I I can't do this?" And he said, "Well, do you think you can?" It's like, "Well, yeah, I, I think so." And he said, "Well, somebody has to." And it, these people, they need help. They need support. They need somebody who can who can handle this. If you think you can, then it's worth trying. And I was like, "That's so true. That's so true." And just to kind of kind of share more a little bit about that i i was talking with a woman once a colleague of mine who um she she does a support group for young moms who have lost their children it's a grief grief group and she was telling me what she does for work and i said oh there's no way i could do that i could not i couldn't sit in that pain with those moms and share that it's just oh i just i i can't i don't think i can allow myself to go there enough to be able to empathize with them but she could if she could and she absolutely loved it and it brought her um so much joy to be able to help that and she could handle that and that's how i feel about working with with people who have als i can do it i can sit there in that pain and experience that with them um with it you know with healthy boundaries and all of that but i can do it and um i enjoy it So I don't, I don't know that anybody starts their career out at any point saying, I want to work with people who are dying. I don't I mean, there are a lot of people in hospice, you know, it's, it is a calling, I think, for many people to be able to sit with the reality of what all of us are going to face, um, but actually see it and um, the loss that goes along with somebody who's journeying through it. Um, and I, I didn't have a lot of experience with it, but I, I, it, it did something for me that I don't think I expected. And I, I became very close with, with a lot of people with ALS since I, since I started working there. And there's this one gentleman in particular who I got to know very well. I met him the day he was diagnosed with ALS. I, I work at one of the clinics and I'm often somebody who goes in and, and if you can imagine, you get the news from the doctor and then I come in, uh, but I, I, but I, I, I love that. I love that part of what I do. I love being able to walk in there and, and provide what I feel like the person needs. And so he and I became very, very close. Um, and he, as much as he, he tried, as much as he tried to adjust to the disease and to um, find a way to continue, it was very, very hard for him. And he, I, I ca called me one day and said, "I'm not going to die from ALS." And so he and his wife and his daughter had made the decision to go to Switzerland um, to pursue a physician assisted death, because that's something that was, that is, uh, uh, it's available for people outside of this country. And so he did that and we said our goodbyes. And I just, <laughs> I thought to myself, what am I doing <laughs> with my life? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm super healthy. My, I'm happy. I've got a beautiful, wonderful partner, my kids, I'm a runner. Um, but it just to, to be, to be around someone who has to face such a sad and real, um, loss. It was, it was a, sort of a, it was just a huge experience for me. I can't really put it into words, 
Um, but the day that I had that conversation with him, I signed up for my first 50 mile race. So before my cancer diagnosis, I was super into trail running. I was doing the 50 Ks, but I never thought I'd go beyond that. I mean, I have kids, I've got or work full time. Like, how am I going to fit in the training that goes into running uh, big miles like that? But at that time, none of that mattered. All that mattered was I have this body that works one that, that, and I have this interest. I, I love, I love running in the woods for hours on end by myself or with, you know, some of my friends, like I actually enjoy it. What, what am I, what's stopping me besides the fear I won't finish? Like that just didn't at the time after hearing what him and his family had to go through, it just shifted it for me. So anyway, so I signed up for my very first 50 mile race. Stay tuned to hear our third and final episode of our special three-part series with Anna Zlinski. Of course, thank you to our listeners and the Missouri Rehabilitation Association Eastern Chapter. This has been Mentor Moments.